You're listening to episode 69 with Karen Rauscher, policy analyst and risk communication specialist with Corona Environmental. This episode is brought to you by Moonshot Missions. Hey, everybody. This is Travis Loop, communications director for the Water Environment Federation. This is a podcast that is all about water in communication, branding and storytelling and the things that we can all be doing better. It's water in real life with my good friends and podcasting cohorts in crime, the H2 duo, Stephanie Zavala and Ariane Shipley. Hey, water nerds. What's your moonshot? George Hawkins, former chief executive of DC Water, is president and founder of Moonshot Missions. Moonshot is a nonprofit organization seeking to disrupt the current approach to delivering improvements to water systems. Led by seasoned and skilled experts, Moonshot Missions designs replicable models that help utilities overcome the challenges they face in order to move forward. Moonshot can help you assess your system, select solutions from a pre-vetted menu of projects, plus develop innovative financing approaches. You are not in this alone. Moonshot Missions will help you collaborate with other leaders to work together, develop tailored mission plans, and share lessons learned. Together, you can build water systems that work more efficiently and effectively to protect and provide for the residents you serve while also saving your customers money. If you'd like to learn more or even share your own experience that might be helpful for a struggling utility to adopt and start on a positive path, visit moonshotmissions.org or email george at moonshotmissions.org. At the moment that that fear or high anxiety is present, you're communicating out of your amygdala too. You are not immune to this. And so you're not going to craft effective messages. You're going to do what your brain says is defend yourself, protect yourself. Defensiveness is a protective mechanism when you're in the amygdala. It's Mm. very hard to go to any other place other than to say, I'm not wrong. Wow, folks, get your note-taking app of choice ready and also save the date because on October 1st, 2019, AWWA is releasing their report on communicating in the spotlight, which was a collaborative effort between AWWA, uh, Corona Environmental, Karen Rauscher, and Raftelis, plus multiple sources of research and case studies. So if I left anyone out, I apologize. Be sure to check that out. We got a sneak peek of the publication and got to speak with Karen about some of our biggest takeaways that we got from it. Um, One, that the landscape has changed on multiple fronts. So the digital landscape now means that we only have six minutes to respond when something hits. And we have to be the first one in the conversation because otherwise we're automatically placed in the defensive posture. And in some places, as many as 49% of people are no longer using our product, AKA tap water, as their primary source of drinking water. So as a business, which water utilities are, this isn't good. Research shows a direct correlation between the level of funding that a utility is able to win uh, versus the level of communication effort that was put in their public engagement efforts. So the vast majority of utilities across the country, according to the Water Research Foundation, are not investing in dedicated communication staff or strategy, and this just isn't sustainable for the future of our industry. There's more to us than just infrastructure and software, and we have to be learning the skills we need to communicate with the people that we serve. So. Multiple good, great takeaways. Karen walks us through communicating our way out of the amygdala where, you know, none of us on either side of the issues are making the best decisions or having the best responses. 
We also talk about multiple, multiple cases on the value proposition of communication and water and the absolute necessity of empathy. So again, get your notes ready. And without further ado, let's get to the show. Cameron Archer is a policy analyst and risk communication specialist with expertise identifying how to gather, develop, and effectively share complex, uncertain information with a wide diversity of audiences. Ms. Rauscher played a leading role in recent strategic climate change communication policy-focused research for the Water Research Foundation, the Water Utility Climate Alliance, and the Water Reuse Research Foundation, as well as for a broad range of individual water utilities. She brings cutting-edge insights to the understanding and application of effective communication and long-term decision-making strategies to address large future uncertainty as well as complex regulatory regulatory challenges. So, Karen, welcome back. Yes. Thank we you. Are, it's lovely to be here. We are so excited to have you on again. You just keep on coming at us with all of this amazing research that you're doing. Mm -hmm. um, so like she's like our, um, what is it when you have your, um, not, no, I just point on <laughs> Um, she's your resident researcher. Oh yeah, she's oh. our resident. She's our, our researcher. Like Oprah around. has Dr. Oz. Yeah, we have we have Karen. Karen. Yeah, Dr. Karen. Awesome. Well, let's have a reach out to Karen with a question strategy. Then ask your <laughs> viewers what do they want to ask me, and I'll come back and answer questions anytime. Ooh, <laughs> love that. Challenge accepted. Done. We're gonna have to do like something on Twitter with mm -hmm. like ask Karen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of ask Alexa, just mm -hmm. ask Karen. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> So last time we spoke with you, we talked about the research that you were part of related to how we communicate climate change. And you helped us understand the reality of the landscape surrounding, you know, what can be a controversial issue for some or some perceive it to be that way. So, um, so there, we're not making decisions around how we communicate the issue based on assumptions and misperceptions about our audience and what we think that they believe. But since then, you've been involved in research around some even kind of more controversial and emotional, emotionally driven issues that are truly, truly impacting utilities across the country and the relationships that these utilities have with their customers. So give us a little background on that work that we're going to be speaking with you about today related to risk communications. Oh, well, I have to start by cracking up that you think talking about climate change is a relatively easy thing and not emotional thing for <laughs> talking about. And that these other conversations are more difficult. Um, it's a great opening to context matters and different people think different things are harder to talking about. Um, but it is the reason that I got into talking about climate change is that it is a risk communication situation. Anytime when fear or high anxiety is present, it actually switches how we process information in our brain. It takes it out of our frontal lobe where we do high um, processing, we have agendas, we determine how we're gonna use information, to the primitive amygdala where we just say, oh, should I freeze flight or, or um, fight? Um, and so risk communication is a neurological study of how people can communicate effectively when they're in that part of their brain. Um, the, um, this is a project that was brought about um, through the impetus of AWWA members who went to AWWA and said, you know, we're finding ourselves in these terrible situations. 
where we're looking at our social media and whereas yesterday we had 5,000 people and we were talking about how to clean up the local community creeks. Today we have 13,000 people and they're all really upset about PFAS. Mm-hmm. And so this conversation is switching um, because of social media, because of the switch in the whole environment of media today. It's becoming um, more and more. Um, I read yesterday that in a crisis, um, we now have six minutes to respond before somebody else is something before us. Oh my gosh. So these things happen very quickly where you're getting along with your community just fine, and then all of a sudden you're being beat up, and what do you do? And so it was written in to, to provide support to water utilities before they find themselves in a negative media situation so they can stay out of it or limit the impacts when they get there. Exactly. Oh my gosh, six seconds. That's six minutes. Oh, six minutes. I have to think six seconds. But but even then, that's still, I think, a a huge argument for the case to be proactive and to be consistently communicating. Because, wow, if you only have six minutes to craft your message from the start, that's just not going to happen. No, it's not going to happen. Well, when it comes to risk communications, I think oftentimes we become our own barrier. Um, no one cares more about what's in the water than we do as utility professionals. We just don't always communicate that we care in the best way because it's hard when you feel like you're being attacked. Um, What's the biggest thing people need to remember when communicating in times of great risk and uncertainty? Well, you have to remember that it works both ways. That the moment that that fear or anxiety is present, you're communicating out of your amygdala too. You are not immune to this. And so you're not going to craft effective messages. You're going to do what your brain says is defend yourself, protect yourself. Mm -hmm. Defensiveness is a protective mechanism when you're in the amygdala. It's Mm. very hard to go to any other place other than to say, I'm not wrong. Mm. Mm. And that's why you have to really not only understand what the um, practices are to move the whole community, yourself as well, Mm -hmm. but you have to know how to do that and practice it before so it happens to you in the moment. It's not enough to understand that it's going to happen. You have to already know what you're going to do in that moment so you do it without having to process it. Like Mm. muscle memory. Yes. Exactly. You want that banner headline that you're going to use to reassure your community that you're on top of this. Mm-hmm. You've got their back. You care more than anybody else in the room. Mm-hmm. That's your message when everybody else go to the place of fear. And that's one you can really practice and have at your fingertips. It's yeah. not content rich. Yeah, you explained that really well um, when, when you were first kind of telling us about the research that you were doing and some of the things that came out of it. But in terms of how when working against the amygdala, you have to answer these questions of, you call them critical concern, I think, because until you do that, they're not gonna be able to even process. So can you explain a little bit more what, those, what that means, the questions of critical, critical concern that your customers might be having? Yeah, I think it's really a critical part of risk communication because when we go, as I exhibited, where we go when we're even the person that's answering, where the, where the other person goes is they go to some basic question. 
Mm. And if that basic question for, for example, for climate change, the basic question was, what's the difference between climate and weather? Mm -hmm. People could really have confidence that they not only had the answer, but that that answer was integrated into how they processed information. They couldn't move on and even think about whether it was a problem or not. Mm-hmm. And the same thing happens if it's PFAS, if it's cyanotoxins, crypto, whatever it is, there's going to be some really basic question that as a water professional, you don't even know is there. Mm-hmm. And that question is keeping your community from engaging in a reasoned conversation about it. Exactly. I thought back, back to the basics. Yeah. Yeah. Just start simple, start from the beginning. Um, it often isn't even something you as a professional think is a legitimate right. question. Yeah. yeah. We talk about how, you know, you can never go back to that first day before you were um, any kind of water professional, even before day one, where you had that same um, knowledge base as your residents. And it's, you can never go back to that. It's super hard to be in their shoes again. Yeah. And to remember what you need to hear. And, and one of the problems with that is, is that we are all part of a different cohort. Mm-hmm. Your community is not a homogeneous cohort of attitudes, actions, beliefs, and values, which are the things that drive how you receive information. Mm-hmm. You're going to have different questions of critical concern, and you want to have them framed differently in the answers so that it meets your emotional needs. Mm-hmm. That makes it really hard for utilities. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, to have to communicate. I think that's one of the one of the biggest challenges we hear is that because everyone does use water, uh, that utilities feel like their audience is everyone, which I guess technically it is, but you can't communicate to them all the same way. And so you don't have to. Yeah. The job is not to communicate with everyone. It's to communicate with your community thought leaders. Mm. None of us can learn everything we have to, to make informed decisions about everything. So we turn to the trusted source in our community. They're the Mm -hmm. community thought leader. As a water utility, you want to be that trusted source. You want to be that community thought leader. And the way you do that is you talk to the other community thought leaders and let them bring their communities along for the ride. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do this all by yourself. Oh, yeah. You shouldn't. You shouldn't no, no. Um, so another major issue is uh, regarding communicating anything, but especially uh, issues of risk and uncertainty is that, quite frankly, we're kind of unprepared as an industry, not only to address kind of basic communication issues, but especially to tackle these incredibly volatile emotional public issues like PFAS and emerging contaminants and things along that lines because you found some things in your research that uh, both depressed me but yet didn't surprise me about the reality of communication in the water sector. So can you kind of talk us through those findings a little bit? Yeah, I, I um, the communication landscape has changed entirely in the last 10 years. I mean, or 15 years. You can argue when it is, but nobody's going to argue that it has. Yeah. Utilities used to be the silent service. Um, everybody bought their water. Not everybody's buying your product anymore. I saw recent research that um, 86% of people have concerns about the safety of their drinking water, and 49% of them have stopped using it as their primary source all the time. Wow. This is in some areas, not everywhere. But as a, um, as a um, 
business entity and a water utility at its basis is a business entity. Mm -hmm. If your customers are stopping to buy your product, you better get out there and start talking to them. Mm -hmm. In fact, you really ought to be marketing to them. Yeah. Yes. Um, um, so, um, cause the other folks are definitely investing millions of dollars in marketing into their product, AKA bottled water. And obviously I don't expect necessarily, obviously every utility can't, doesn't have that kind of, um, budget, budget to, to invest millions. But I think one of the things that was most troubling or, and slash not surprising to me at the same time was the fact that I think according to one of um, the Water Research Foundation's reports that something like only half or less than half of utilities have a strategic communication plan or communication folks that are dedicated to, or people that are dedicated to communications. Um, and that very, a very small minority are on social media and the ones that are, aren't really using social media in the way that it was intended. It's kind of become like this, um, mini website where we just push out an information but we don't necessarily use it as an engagement tool and so not only has the landscape changed but the people and plans that should be put in place haven't haven't hasn't really happened yet i feel like that's we're kind of at a tipping point i feel like right now where that's changing but um yeah, that made me a little. <laughs> it is the whole thing about water utilities being a business and not having a communication with their customers. I mean, it just that is by itself is fundamental. You add to the fact that we're providing a public health good. I mean, that's what you provide as a water utility, a public health good. This has to have a conversation occurring with it with your customers or again, you're going to start using it. Losing. And if you listen to the marketing campaigns, they are doing all the research you need to understand your customers. Mm -hmm. They are spending these millions of dollars. You don't have to do it. The main message that these bottled waters are using is it's pure. Mm -hmm. This is the message the country as a whole is talking about drinking water. Is it safe? It used to be, you know, the price, it used to be, you know, the silence delivery. Right now, the conversation at a national level about water is safety. Mm -hmm. And so you don't have to do the marketing. You don't have to do the audience segmentation. You have to look at what you can learn and apply that. And you have to understand that if you're not getting out there in the conversation, that that's not an empty void, like someone else is filling it. So. Yeah. Who do you want filling that space of being the trusted source? Do you want it to be, you know, Nestle or whoever? Do you want it to be, you know, the whoever advocate who is trying to either sell a product or get attention in some way? I mean, if you're not in there with your message and your story filling that void, filling that space, someone else is going to fill it for you. And to me, that's almost as scary as being silent. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, you, um, People sometimes ask me, why should I go on social media as a utility? We don't have any money. We don't have anybody who can monitor this. And, you know, well, my response is 60 to 70% of Americans look for their news yeah. on social media. They don't believe it. They don't think it's accurate and they check it, but they're still looking for it at social media for something that they don't even think is true there. Yeah. So if you aren't there, they're looking for that conversation. You're right. And if you're not there, somebody else is going to say something. And the research shows that the first in source is always trusted and is always assumed to be accurate. So if you're the second invoice, you are then being in a defensive posture. Mm. You always want to put yourself out there as I am the loudest, 
biggest, most reliable, trusted source. On. Right. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And I'd rather people find me on social media than actually in Yahoo News or MSN News. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't want to be a trending news oh, story. Boy. <laughs> It's a safe place for them to find you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Develop a relationship and about the things that you care about but aren't risky. And that's how you become the trusted source. Mm. Open, transparent communication. Mm. Well, that's a great segue. Yep. Uh, yeah, so let's talk about social media for a little bit more. Um, so it's 2019. We said a lot of utilities are still unable to even have a presence on social media. We've heard people at conferences say social media is the devil. Um, it doesn't have to be the devil. It actually <laughs> is a great tool, can be a great tool. Um, so we just don't have to be afraid of it anymore. We need to kind of just get over it and accept it. And uh, so what are some takeaways about engaging on social media that really stood out to you from your research? So I have to say that one of my favorite lines from any movie is in Beauty and the Beast. Yes. Where they're singing and they say, we don't like what we don't understand. In fact, it scares us. Kill the beast. Yeah. <laughs> that's what they're saying that, about that, social media. Exactly. So, so um, you can't kill the beast. It's not the answer. Mm -hmm. um, you're, in fact, you're not God. You don't get to choose. Um, <laughs> exactly. But um, you apply risk communication strategies. It's the perfect media for the 2793 rule. And this is the golden rule of communication. Our brain can handle 27 words or fewer that can be spoken in nine seconds or less that have three or fewer points. If you follow the golden rule of risk communication, you also are an extremely effective social media um, communicator. Because social media is light. It's filled with pictures and images and emotional concerns and questions and opportunities for that two-way conversation. And you're actually giving your utility a space for that two-way conversation mm. about anything anybody wants to talk about. Yeah. It is your pulse of the community. As I, um, we had one um, utility, I think I said they had like a thousand people on their um, social media site and then the next day it was 13,000. That's a good pulse. You might use that as an indicator that maybe you should be doing something different. Right? Yeah, yeah. One of, the, one of my favorite takeaways from uh, reading the report uh, on risk communications was, I love, it talked about setting a standard response time on social media. And I think about some of the people out there who I think are just killing it on social media, nailing it. And one of them is Northeast Ohio Regional Sewer District. And I mean, their Twitter feed is always going. It never sleeps. I don't know when John Gonzalez sleeps, but but I love that it, you guys pointed that out in the report. You said treat it like a main break because just like a main break, social media inquiries, they don't always happen during normal business hours, okay? Like social media doesn't turn off after Monday through Friday, eight to five, you know, it doesn't go dormant and you know, until you're back in the office or awake. But, and those comments and things that go down on social media are as highly visible and people are watching and they're waiting to see how you respond. And I think that it speaks just as high volume to your customer service as it does to the way that you react to something like a main break. And I think that more and more water utilities need to start seeing it that way. And 
as they can. I know that some can't from like a fiscal perspective, but the ones that can though um, need to be investing in that and knowing that they're, you're asking, when you ask someone to be in charge of your social media, you're not asking for them to be in charge of something during normal business hours. You're basically, they're on call. And so it needs to be treated like that. That was one of my hands down favorite um, takeaways from the report related to social media. But I would remind small utilities, you don't have to go this alone. Yeah. A lot of small utilities team up with their other city partners or even yes. a community or a state public health department. Or yeah. Just because you don't have budget doesn't mean that you can't do social media. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say to that. I mean, you know, locally where we are, we have Tarrant Regional Water District and several cities around that, that fluctuate from different sizes, different budgets. You know, the great thing is they're all getting together. They're saying the same messages. They're sharing each other's messages because ultimately, you know, in this situation, a lot of them are coming from the same water source or various ones are coming from similar water sources or they're just partners in crime, like trying to, you know, push this message out together. So you're talking to the same people. Yeah. Same people. Yeah. Yeah. You can get together and put together a, you know, regional water communication or drought contingency plan, like get together and do a regional risk communications plan. And yeah. because like, I can guarantee you that first of all, your customers probably don't understand that from one city to the next, they have either a different treat, a different um, utility that's treating their water or a different water source. Like they don't understand that. And so whether it's your city or not, if something goes down near them, they're going to assume that, it's going, it might affect them as well. So yeah, I mean, yeah, I didn't, I wasn't trying to give anybody an out in that comment. <laughs> I was just trying to commiserate a little bit. Yeah. You know, there are solutions. Get on board y'all. <laughs> I, I really like your um, talking about the partnerships because communication and risk communication is all about coming from a trusted source and being heard. And you can't fill that role adequately. You really need to partner. And I, I would, you, you talked about, you know, coming together as a group, you know, we're talking about, I've done this, I did this recently for um, a group of wastewater agencies in King County in Washington. And, you know, this is a $5,000 budget for me to come in and, and play this out for you. I'm not going to implement it, but this isn't an expensive thing to figure out what your message is. Mm -hmm. Because it's going to be that 2793. It's going to be simple. And you want this to work for your health department and you want this to work for your city manager. And they're all going to be thrilled that you're bringing them the talking points they need to cover their backs. Right. So it's really an opportunity for you to come together and really support your community in a way that they are really asking you to. Yeah. Uh, and I know that some folks are scared of social media because this is where a lot of the negative comments get made. Uh, and which is why this one director, when she said that we've heard social media call the devil, I mean, she was not kidding. We did hear that from a utility director at the last utilities management conference. We're like, okay, it doesn't, I wish I could have, we should have stood up and sung the line from beauty. Yeah. We're going to do that the next time yeah. if we ever hear it. But, um, but I love how in the report, you guys like didn't sugarcoat anything. You're like, yeah, people are going to say thing. People are going to say things. But, uh, one of the points that I like that you said is that, um, just because someone dis dis just because someone disagrees with you doesn't mean that they're attacking you. So kind of like feel it out a little bit, like tone your amygdala down a little bit as you're reading some of these things. And like, is the intent and tone really coming through? Am I taking this a certain way? But 
you know, you guys didn't sugarcoat anything. You put it out there that yes, you, there is a possibility of getting negative comments out there. Um, and not just on social media, but you kind of said, you know, deal with it. You didn't say deal with it, but you gave them tools to deal with it, uh, that to deal with different types of, uh, risk communications in different ways. So there were kind of like four little templates that each kind of had were tailored to a different scenario. So can you just talk us through those, those four little templates right quick? Yeah, I want to start by giving credit where credit is due. I did not create these templates. Created <laughs> by the Cavello Risk Communication Center. Ah. I can't say enough nice things about Vince Cavello. Awesome. He is foundational in our understanding of this area and has really brought this together. He does really cool online presentations. You can Google him and he'll walk you through these much better than I do. Nice. What I have done is mutilated what he has done <laughs> better for water utility situation. They have been kind enough to let me do this. <laughs> so do note that the they put in there the language that they add for people so that they could use this was the importance of learning how to do this. Don't just read it. Go to a workshop or at least go to his online presentations and practice this because I promise you this isn't going to just appear in your life when you need it because you read it. But if you practice it once, it probably will. So the idea is that, that we really have done, they have done some neurologic research, some brain studies, some MRI um, footprinting of what moves things from people's brains and applied those to these templates so that when I'm in the amygdala place, I can say, okay, I can bring the sharing, caring, caring template. Mm -hmm. And this is the one that I carry in my pocketbook at all times. Mm -hmm. And caring, sharing, sharing template says, you've come up to me and you've told me that my water utility is making your family sick, mm -hmm. really sick. There's a cancer cluster and all four of your children have cancer and they are dying. Mm -hmm. And it's my fault as a water utility. And I'm going to apply. I'm going to say, oh, my God. The first thing I'm going to do is tell you how much I care. I'm going to bring that caring, sharing, sharing. What a tragedy for you that your family is so sick and dying. I care tremendously. As a water utility professional, I am in this business because I care tremendously about the public health of the people in my community. You go to the caring place. Every water utility person understands how to care about water utility. So you just share that caring. Whatever that person is going through, you make them know that you personally are devastated by their experience. If you do nothing else, if you just connect and you say, oh my God, I can't imagine what it would be like to have one of my children have cancer. My father had cancer and, and just as a parent, it was more than I. That empathy mm -hmm. and caring. If you do nothing else, every single template starts with caring mm -hmm. and connecting through empathy. And then the sharing. Sharing is I have really spent a lot of time doing research on cancer and drinking water. And I'm not an expert, I'm not a technical expert, but here's the information I am using. I, can, I would like to share that. Here are the three things about that I wanna share with you and here are my sources. And it's really important to me that I understand what information you're bringing and that I have all the information, so please share with me the information you have. 
That's the caring, sharing, sharing type. Mm-hmm. And there's a number of them for different situations. If somebody, you know somebody, the information they're giving you is misinformation, there's a template for that. If you know somebody is getting paid for something and that their concern is buy my product and then you won't have this problem, there's templates for how to deal with them. And so although I put four of them in here, there's about 20 of them. Workshop, you go through enough that you pick out the two or three that really matter to you and you carry one of them with you. And that's leadership is being able to know I have in my hip pocket the ability to make you care that I care. That's what switches it. Yeah. And I love that you gave an example of uh, the caring or the showing empathy because it really just comes down to connecting it to something that you can that you can authentically connect with, you know, that you have a similar experience where maybe you're a parent, too, and you can't imagine or, or things like that. But making it personal and not just, I guess what I'm trying to say is not just using the words that, dem- that sound empathy. Yeah but actually finding the connection. And I feel like the only way that you're going to authentically be able to do that in a real life situation is exactly what you said and to practice it. Um, So we have a friend, Dr. Larry Schooler, who does uh, workshops on facilitating public meetings. And we went through a workshop with him. And at the end, he brought in some of his staff who actually like role played um, a potentially like hostile uh, public meeting situation. And, no, even knowing that it was fake, even knowing that they were pretending, it's still, I mean, full-on panic attack, literally hiding <laughs> yeah. in the bushes. Like, yeah. It's, it's why you have to move it out before. You yeah. have to practice. You do. I would much rather her have been, you know, in the fetal position in Larry's, uh, like, conference room there than to, you know, be in an actual situation where that was happening. And because it's terrifying. It's terrifying when you... Uh, when you feel like feel attacked or when someone is coming to you with these incredibly personal, terrible stories, like the one that you just said, I mean, it's just, please, please, please practice it. We say this as a takeaway in some of the presentations we do to practice your, your, uh, crisis or risk communications plan regularly. I mean, you would much rather get used to it in a conference room amongst friends than just facing it cold turkey and oh yeah please practice (laughs) not hard no it's not something you can do alone in your room you have to do it out loud in a situation with other people because Mm -hmm. that's when it occurs and so that's the situation you have to be prepared to respond to yeah yeah i'm constantly trying to get people to get me to come and speak so get me to come speak people (laughs) in an hour or two (laughs) yeah i mean all practice is good practice like let's do it you guys heard karen so um i love all of this chat about neuroscience and about the amygdala and and all of the research that's gone into this and that i think that's one of my favorite takeaways from our last conversation that we had together was that you said that communication isn't rocket scientists but it is neuroscience it's so important (laughs) that people remember that. And I think because we communicate every day in some form or fashion, we kind of take it for granted a little bit. It gets dismissed as a soft skill, which I hate. But uh, the reality is if you don't invest in learning those soft skills, you'll only make life harder (laughs) on you and your organization. So 
in the report, I loved how you kind of tied this idea of being a good leader with being an effective communicator, especially during times of crisis, um, because that is, that's the time when people are really going to be watching and listening to hear, to hear what you say. And, and like we just mentioned, empathy is a huge part of that. So when seeking to make communication more of a priority. What are your biggest words of advice to water utility leadership that's listening right now in terms of how they address that? Remember that you're in a business and that if as part of your business, you are selling water. We recently did a rate communication study and the number one attribute of whether people got their rates passed at the level and the, um, that they wanted, not just a rate, but at a level that would actually support sustainability of your utility was based on the communication, the trust degree of communication they have. Mm -hmm. So if you wanna pass rate increases, you wanna have your utility understood that it's a business that needs money and you want your community to support that money, you have to talk to them. Mm -hmm. And you it's a public health conversation. It's not just a do you want to buy diapers, it's public health. And public health is always a risk communication strategy. So every utility that's trying to be sustainable and have a rate should have an effective communication strategy. It's a primary tool. Mm, my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm like already stunned. because I'm, <laughs> I'm preaching to the choir here. <laughs> you are, but I feel like, I mean, I can already feel, we haven't, you know, when this goes live, it'll be live, but like, I can already <laughs> feel people being like, mm, mm. yeah, mm -hmm, yeah. okay, either yes, I need to do that now, or heck yeah, about time. Yeah, you know? get a little, little, a bit of both. Yeah. <laughs> so, utilities are doing this are so... Um, it, they're finding it so fulfilling, both yeah. as a human being as, and as a business operation, both parts. Yeah, because it's, it's humanizing things, you know, it's bringing back in that, that empathy and that face-to-face -face and just that vulnerability of communicating with another person about things that are really difficult to talk about. So absolutely. Love it. I had a funny conversation. I'm doing interviews now. I'm doing some risk communication strategies for the CCR. Uh -huh. and you oh my God. is an integral part of your communication yes. strategy and I was talking to these guys who do it at a utility and they're saying you know I'm like do you really think you need to share all this information with everybody and there's this quiet and then they start talking well the lows tell this and the highs tell this and people really need the averages for this and if they don't know and they had spent 10 minutes talking to me about why every piece of information in the CCR is critical and I just cracked up I said what I need as a consumer is to hear that passion because if I heard how much they cared mm -hmm. I wouldn't need to read a single piece of information yeah I didn't want to hear any of the information I thought I should have but I wanted to hear that passion yeah and that's what we're trying to communicate to our community yeah. we hear so much and every time I go into a utility another utility that was couldn't communicate with their 
um, customers and they were getting lower and lower ratings and I'm walking around and they're caring about water quality. That's all their community cares about. It's, you know, recreation and fishing and swimming. And I'm walking through the, the treatment department and these guys who are going out, they're like passionate. The stories they're telling me about how they've cleaned it up. It's like, this is your conversation. You yeah. don't even need to write anything. Interview this guy. Yeah. Share how much he cares. This is, they are the number one reason you have water quality and you have yeah. a water connection. Yep. You're doing what your community wants desperately. Make sure they know. Yes. yes. Tell your story. That's yep. one of my favorite things is uh, for a leadership program, we took all of the leadership participants on a tour of the water treatment plant at the city we were at. And the biggest takeaway that they had was exactly what you said. And they were like, uh, wow, water people are super passionate about. And we're like, yes, we are. <laughs> Tell that story. <laughs> and to be honest, that's all I care about. Yeah. If you are trained in this and you care a lot. Well, you're going to do a lot better job than anything I could bring to it. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You're going to do a great job. You're going to be, you know, careful and take care of the quality and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. You're not going to try and get anything over me. You're not correct. Our friend, uh, Ryan Beltran, uh, Beltran, introduced us to, is that good enough? Yeah, it's perfect. Okay. Yeah, now it's trying. Um, he introduced us to open source technology that our mentor, Greg Rukash, reminded us that in communication education, we're all about open source communication. Um, we share this, we share ideas and programs that's our extended education. And so I love that this report includes several case studies from other utilities, one in our own backyard, North Texas Municipal Water District, shout out. Um, what were a few highlights from those stories for you? Well, they, I have to start by saying that you chose one of the best pilots we've done. Yes. Everything that is in this report is based on what they learned. Mm. We, didn't, we didn't come and say, oh, you should have done this, you should have done that. They said, oh, this is what happened and it was a disaster and this is how we cleaned it up. Yeah. Basically, they did it right. I encourage people to read their story, to um, learn from their lessons learned. But basically, they were a good communicator. They had a good community. They were kind of a trusted source. Mm -hmm. And they had a whole set of, you know, a whole bunch of rain at the moment. They were doing disinfectant, and the community was already being raised because the Flint discussion was going on. Mm -hmm. They had a kind of a perfect storm. Yeah. That's what happens. You get this perfect storm and all of a sudden you're getting attacked. Mm -hmm. And they were getting attacked from all over the place. They're a wholesaler, so they weren't even the ones necessarily that were hearing it all. They certainly didn't have a set of customer service that were trained to respond to this. Nobody had a customer service that were trained to respond to this issue. Right. Um, and, but they worked together. They reached out to the partners they already had, the public health department, the um, environmental quality. They reached out to the people who are together should be talking to their community. Together they are the trusted source. It's much easier to say the utility alone blew this and they did than it is to say the state, the federal government, the utility, the community, they all did this wrong. At least it's not a conspiracy. Yeah. And the people, as you saw in my earlier research, the people who are the maddest 
really think you're out to get them. They really think it's a conspiracy. And so you want to get rid of that right in the beginning. And they did that beautifully. So I think the exact, you know, the horror, their horror story of waking up one morning and having 13,000 people on their website being really mad at them and then having a paid speaker come in and people pay $20 a person to go hear why their water is really bad. It's like the worst of the worst. They, they, they experienced it as bad as it gets. And they stood up and they said, we're not mad at you as a community. We're not defensive. Things happen and this really, it really did smell worse and taste worse than we were hoping it was going to. Things got out of our control, but it was always safe. And they kept that safety message first and foremost in everything that they did. Mm-hmm. Our water is safe. Our water is safe. It smells bad. And we don't want this either. So they kept on message. They did not take on the technical defensive position. Mm-hmm. As a water professional, you're, you are a professional in how to treat your water. You are not a professional in what that water should be treated for, what standard. Mm. You are meeting somebody else's expertise, and you bring them in to talk about it. And they had a series of experts come in and talk to people. They reached out to their community and asked them, what do you care about? They actually asked them and had those people respond to that. And their bottom line was the next year when they got to this position, they had this whole big response strategy that they locked off on. They said, maybe maybe people, we did a good enough job of explaining to people in that moment that they didn't bring it forward. And they didn't. But they were prepared in case they did because they knew they had six minutes to respond. And this time they were ready for that six minutes. That's right. Mm. Rather be ready for six minutes than... You know, that was uh, as friends of, you know, that community and and entity, it was painful to watch from uh, across the other side of the uh, Metroplex and yeah, yeah, trying to advocate for them as best we could. Because when you're in the water world and people know that and they hear things and they see things, we were having people texting us, calling us that were like, so what's going on over there? Is everything okay? People on the other side of BFW were like, oh, should I drink my water? And I'm like, oh, do not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's our responsibility. Yeah. I mean, when you're in this biz, to know, and I couldn't answer every single question. So to go to kind of what you said before of, um, uh, you know, reaching out to, to, those, to those experts and saying, uh, so I know the gist, but I don't know necessarily about this particular thing. Can you help me explain that? And so, and people respect that. You can say, um, I don't know the answer 100% to that, but let me go get the answers for you and I'll, and I'll get back with you. And so- Trust is built on what you just said. I don't know. Yeah. You can say, I don't know, and I will get you the answer. You have done more to build trust than any other statement you've made. Mm-hmm. Because we all understand that we don't know it all. We all assume somebody's blowing us off yeah. and they're telling us more than they think they do. Mm. One of the conversations in Americans' minds right now is that the standards are not high enough. They're not protecting me. You don't want to have that conversation with your utility. You want to say, that is a critical conversation, and we need to have that as a community, and I will participate, but I'm going to defer what the answer should be to the technical experts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And as long as you do that, 
you build trust because you're saying, I'm the operator. I'm going to make sure that we meet every regulation possible, but it's not my job to set those. Mm, good point. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for uh, telling, speaking with us a little bit more about this, uh, this great piece of work that's coming out. Do we know exactly when it's coming out yet? Oh, I'm sorry. I haven't heard. It should come out sometime in September. Okay, perfect. So I'll let you know so you can announce it. Okay. Okay. Um, well, I was going to still ask you if you like, I don't know if you have like a new book that you could recommend to us because I was like, hey, we'll still ask her some of those questions if she has anything else to. Yeah, maybe uh, she's read something. Yeah. yeah I, I just read a great book. Actually. Okay. okay. So I'm going to ask you. I highly recommend. It's okay. the Island of the Sea Women. Ooh, I don't know. It's a bestseller, so it's easy to find. But okay. it's the, the history of North Korea. Mm. <laughs> wow. Wow. Fascinating. It was mind-bogglingly um, uh, information that I had never even thought about before. Yeah. Wow. In a beautiful story. Okay. okay, I like that. Check that one out. Okay, Karen, so we've asked you this, but I want to know, you know, has it changed or is it still the same? What's something that you do every day that drives your productivity? So one of the things that drags my productivity down is when I start to get into the negative space. Oh, I have too much work to do. I'm never going to get this all done. And I switch it to a place of gratitude. Aren't I lucky? that I get to work on all these interesting questions. Aren't I lucky that I get to think about which one I want to do first? Mm. <laughs> wow. I probably more than anything need to hear that right now in my life. Yeah. So thank you. Yeah. <laughs> remind myself as I do it, there is enough time and space for me to do everything well in the time I have. Mm. I like wow. I, I have to keep reminding myself of that. I, I need to like write it down on a post-it note right now. <laughs> what Karen said. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Okay. So last time we asked you um, what the one call to action that you were most passionate about was that you believe could ultimately change the world. And you gave us the sweetest answer. I don't know if you remember, but I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm not going to tell you and I'm going to see if you, what do you think is the one call to action that you think could ultimately change the world? So I'm going to give you two answers and this okay. is really fair, but I didn't know the question was coming. And I truly believe that um, my own personal calling is not to learn everything there is to know about risk communication or share it. My personal calling is to smile at everybody and try to make their day better. And, but the message that I think will change the world is zero emissions as quickly as possible using every strategy at our disposal. Mm. And this has to happen. This is not an if. If we want to save our climate from collapsing and the food supply to collapse around the world, um, and have more people die from heat and air pollution and water pollution. Zero emissions now, using every strategy at our disposal. I love that. Sorry. <laughs> Your answer last time was something similar, not, well, it was similar in that you said to love on your kids, your grandkids, your loved ones more because they center you and remind you about why what we're doing is so important. So yes. still there, still the it's same. Still there. It's a personal <laughs> thing. We all have to bring whatever our personal thing is out. Yeah. Well, as always, learned so much from 
the conversation, from the research that you're doing, um, what, you know yeah, where to go to whenever you have, yeah, yeah, you know where to go whenever you have something cooking back right. there related to communication. You hit us up and let us know and, and we'll tell that, we'll share that story. We love it. So thank you again for um, sharing your message with us and spending some time with us today. Always a pleasure to be with you guys. I just, you rocking it. And you are changing the world. You're showing up and having a different conversation. Oh, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to say, like, you know, I tell people, oh, I'm going to get to do this again. I'm so excited. Oh, my I'm God. I get to do this twice. We're real <laughs> leaders. This is really, so I'm very honored. Oh, well, we're honored to have you on as well. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Never miss out on future episodes by signing up for the Water Nerd newsletter. Found at the h2duo.com forward slash newsletter. You can also find us on Twitter and Instagram at the underscore h2duo. We share all of our new episodes there as well as in the newsletter. So whether we come across your feed or in your inbox, be sure to share episodes with your friends, family, colleagues, fellow water nerds. Help us spread the word. We hope you learned something new today, got a little inspired, or did something that brought you one step closer to your goal. Until next time, remember what one of our favorite quotes says, Those who tell the stories rule the world.